Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I had an entertainment center advertised, and a woman asked to come over to have a look at it. We set up a time, and when the time came, she didn't show up. I texted her, and a couple hours later, she replied and asked if it was too late to come by. It was 10 p.m., but I said okay. She said she would be there in 10 minutes, but wasn't there 20 minutes later, and I texted her again. Ten more minutes, he said, but she hadn't shown up by 11 p.m., so I texted again and said we would have to do it another day, and she replied that she was just pulling up. I go to my front door, and sure enough, she is pulling into the driveway, and there are about four or five other people in the car with her. They all get out and start walking towards the door, and I ask them what they are doing. And the woman says they all want to see the entertainment center. I tell her that only she can come in. At that point, I wasn't sure I even wanted her to come in. She says she needs at least one other person's opinion. I say no. She gets indignant 
and I ask her to leave, and she says that I'm not being a very good Christian. I say I am fine with that, and went in my house and locked all the doors, peeking out the window. One of the dudes who was with her is pissing at the end of my driveway, but then they get in the car and drive away. The whole thing was super bizarre. Roommate Sub leased his room without telling us. The three of us in the house were all around 22 years old. The guy that Sub let the room was 36, unemployed, socially awkward, and pothead. Not that there is anything wrong with that. He would blare Metallica all day. He would just stay in the house, only leaving at odd hours. Really sketchy. Then one day my roommate noticed his guitar was missing, and then other guitar was missing. We confronted him. After about 20 minutes of bullshit excuses, he admitted he pawned them for the power bill, and he wouldn't have rent for us. We called the police so we could report the stolen guitars, since you need to have a report to get anything from pawn shop back. It turns out he already had a warrant out for his arrest for the same shit a town over. Anyway, the cops confronted him in our house while he was frantically trying to get all his stuff packed. He was coming down the stairs with all his luggage when the cops asked him to step outside. Right before he went outside to talk to the cops, he said, Don't take any of my shit in what I think was a joking manner. Either way, he was arrested and we put his shit on the curb. Good times. This isn't a horror story at all, but the guy I sold a TV to a couple of years ago pretty much assumed that I was going to murder him and his boyfriend. I got the impression that he thought that I was going to scam him, so I offered drop the TV off at his house, and he could just PayPal me the money. He didn't want me knowing where he lived, so I offered to have him pick it up after my daughter's soccer game. Wouldn't do that either, because he said I'd have too many of my people. So I then switched it to the parking lot of my town's grocery store at 3.30 p.m. No, he finally agreed to meet me in front of the town's police station with his boyfriend and two other guys only after he called an officer outside to witness the transaction. The cop told the guy he probably shouldn't be buying stuff on Craigslist anymore. The funny thing was that he brought so many people that the TV wouldn't fit in his car. I was new to a big city and decided I didn't need my car anymore. I listed my car for sale, a six-year-old Honda Accord. A normal, well-dressed man comes over to see it after a few phone calls about it. He's in his early forties and his name is James. He's buying it for his daughter in college. I always have my guard up when dealing with strangers, but so far James is personable and seems legitimate. He test drives it with me in it. He does a thorough inspection. He negotiates the price with me for a while. He asks me to hold the car for two days so he can get the money and come pick it up. I agree, a two-day hold where I won't sell it to someone else. Two days later, James follows up and we meet again. Midday, normal neighborhood in an urban city. James and I test drive the car one more time. He gives me a Chase Bank cashier's check, which I said was fine. 
I tell him he needs to come to the bank with me to cash this check and to get the title notarized over to him. This is when he starts acting nervous. We're pulled over on the side of my street discussing this. James in the driver's seat and me as the passenger. I figured if he was going to steal my car, he would have two days earlier. Now I'm fairly comfortable with him. He asked me to do one more car inspection with him. Then we'd go to the bank. I agree, but I'm very set on doing the transaction at a bank, as we both get out to inspect the car again. He jumps back in and floors it as I try to get back in with him. He pulls away quicker than I can react, passenger door wide open. I tried to run after him and then realized I'm not as fast as a car. There are bystanders and I hysterically ask someone to call 911. One guy does. I had my phone, but my adrenaline was through the roof and didn't even think of it. As I'm on a stranger's phone with dispatch, an undercover cop car with two officers pulls out of an ally five feet from me. I wave them down and hysterically explain my story. They tell me to hop in the back of their car, which I do. I implore them to hurry and we can catch this guy. He just drove off. I explain the car and plate and everything. They assure me that they will not go on a high-speed chase with me in the car, but will radio it in to all surrounding officers, which they do. The guy gets away, and the officers drop me off at the police station to file a report. I file an insurance claim, too, and am so mad at myself for letting this happen. I suppose it's better than if I was in the car with this guy, but I'm still mad. Of course, James Burner's cell phone doesn't work as soon as he had left. I go through insurance and their protocols to ensure I'm not committing fraud for about three months. The week I'm supposed to get paid, I get a call from police. They found my car, three states over. James was working with a partner in crime. Don't remember his name. Let's call him Dickface. James stole the car and gave it to Dickface to sell so it wasn't traceable back to James, and Dickface would have plausible deniability if he was ever questioned. Well, Dickface sold my car to an average Joe who actually did have a daughter in college and needed a car. The daughter tried to register her new car at the DMV and it came up as stolen. So the cops arranged for me... The Average Joe and Dickface, whose contact info Average Joe had as he paid him with a check and there was a paper trail, to meet with him at the station for a little chat. Dickface denies any involvement with James, but agrees to give us the money back that Average Joe paid him if he can just leave without any problems. We all agree to this. Average Joe and I say his daughter can keep the car and I'll take the money from Dickface. So eventually I got paid for my car, but this experience sucked balls and was very stressful. Since then I bought and sold cars on Craigslist again, so no lesson was learned except now I take a photo of the driver's license of all people I interact with at the start. I was going to drive from D.C. to Charlotte, North Carolina alone. I figured why not post in the rideshare section to get some company and gas money. A guy messages me saying that he's interested in joining me for the ride, but he lives in Richmond, Virginia. No problem. Richmond is on the way. I respond with some information about myself and my interests, seeing as though I'm planning to spend several hours with this guy. 
He replies asking if we can drop off a duffel bag in Petersburg, Virginia. It sounds a bit suspicious, but sure, I tell him, no problem. We're three days away from the day we're supposed to leave. He messages me saying that he's not sure if he can go anymore because he's still waiting to hear back from his probation officer. He then goes on telling me how much of a bitch he is for making him check in and that he shouldn't even be required to notify her before he leaves the state of Virginia. I didn't reply. I was on a flight back from Thailand. We were flying to Detroit via Toronto. Well, a major storm had you stuck in Toronto for a day and a half. Every flight it seemed like we might leave then at the last second we wouldn't. I got to talking to a few people because we kept seeing each other for every possible flight out. Finally, I tell this guy I've been chatting with Manning of this. We're only a few hours from Detroit. I'm renting a car. He said, yeah, me too. I said, well, if you want to save money, we can just share a car. I could see from the look on his face that his butthole puckered hard enough to make diamonds. He no doubt thought I was bringing in drugs and would land him in prison for life. Obviously, we drove separately. He was sort of indicated. For each possible flight, we had to go through customs each time which meant I had what looked like about six trips from the United States to Canada in two days with Thalen thrown in as well. You better believe they searched the living shit out of my car at the border like four hours of searching. When I, female, was 19... I was looking for a room to rent in the city I was moving to for college. It was about an hour away from my family. I wasn't having much luck, and my mom started helping me look for a place. She found an ad on Craigslist for a room for $300 in a house, everything included. The homeowner was a man, and he rented the additional rooms upstairs to other women while he lived in the finished basement. The ad stated he rarely ever saw the other roommates because he had a kitchen and his own entrance downstairs, and that he preferred women because he had issues with male roommates in the past partying and causing damage. We decided to take a look since it was the cheapest that we could find in the area. My mom and I went to the house to view it. Decent house, decent neighborhood. He opened the door and was very welcoming. He was middle-aged, and the kitchen and living room were furnished nicely and clean. My mom loves to talk and get to know people, so they were engaged in conversation while I stood there quietly and observed the place. He then said he would show me my room. We head towards the staircase to go up, as I thought, since he said on the phone, my room was upstairs with the other roommates, but he opens another door and we follow. He takes us down to the basement and opens a door to a very small room, no closet and no windows. He proceeds to say, this is my room and I will be sharing the bathroom in the hallway with him. And his bedroom did not have a door on it. I was definitely thinking, absolutely not. This is weird, but they were so deep in conversation that I couldn't interject. He then leads us to the upstairs and shows us the other rooms, which the doors were open, and says they are currently rented. He then starts telling us elaborate stories about the other women, not very nice stories describing drinking problems. 
My mom was listening intently, but I took the time to investigate further. I looked in all three rooms and the bathrooms. There was furniture, but not a single item in there that looked like it belonged to a woman. No clothes or anything. Only men's clothes in one of the closets. He had no problem with me creeping around his tenants' rooms without their permission. I then heard him tell my mom that he has some of his stuff in their closets, but they don't mind, and I'm just like um. Why the hell would a tenant pay you for you to use their space as storage? I was feeling really uncomfortable and started moving them back downstairs as they talked. My mom had mentioned when we arrived that her and my dad were going on vacation the next week, but I couldn't go because I had to work. He brought it up again and that I should come by the next week and have dinner with him and the roomies to see if we would all get along. I said sure and we left. As soon as we got in the car, I told my mom I would definitely not be living there. She was dumbfounded. I had to explain to her not only did he lie about the room I would be in, that I was not supposed to be in the basement with him, as well as share a bathroom with him, and he didn't even have a damn door. But also, did she not notice how no one else even lived there? She still didn't get it and thought I was just being paranoid and thought he was nice and it was a cheap deal. I had to explain it to my stepdad and get him to tell. Her by no means would I be living there. I tried to report the post, but by the time we got home that day, he removed it. I think he planned on murdering me at dinner or abducting me and holding me hostage in that basement room that had no way to escape. I hope that guy hits a tree with his car one day. Edit, some details have been coming back to me since I've been answering all of your questions. This happened in 2011, so it's been quite a while. When he took us upstairs, there was a wide landing that was surrounded by the rooms. As soon as we go up there, he motions towards one of the rooms and started this long, intricate story about the woman who lived in there and talking about her alcoholism and a crazy ex. He was very exaggerated in how he talked with a lot of gestures. My mom stood there listening to him. I don't know if it was sheer distraction or she didn't want to be rude not listening, but either way, I don't recall her ever having a good look around those rooms. I went and looked. All doors were open, had neatly made beds with dark wood bed frames, bureaus with mirrors and nightstands. There were sliding mirror closets, and they were empty except for one had men's clothes hanging pushed against one corner. Nothing was on the nightstands other than a lamp, and nothing on the bureaus. I went into the bathrooms, and there was nothing on the vanity in them other than hand soap. I looked in the showers, too, but nothing other than bar soap. The bedroom on the left had an empty suitcase laying open on the middle of the bed. This was one of the rooms with the empty closet. After seeing all this, I came back onto the landing and started slowly heading down the stairs. They were still talking and absent-mindedly followed me down to the living room. That's when he mentioned dinner and we left shortly after. I think that's why my mom didn't notice a lot and didn't believe me at first. She didn't take more than a quick glance upstairs, and when we were in the basement, he was just as talkative. A commentator on here who works with law enforcement pointed out this was probably a sex trafficking situation. The bedroom in the basement is where a victim is kept, drugged, and abused until broken and then trafficked. 
I honestly think this is more plausible with the situation as well as my city is actually a hot spot for that. I am so grateful we got out of there and I hope my experience could help someone one day notice the details and get out of the situation safely. Stay safe and blessed people. Could use a throwaway, but it's also not really a big deal. I thought I was bisexual for the longest time because I always had an interest in guys since high school. Not in any other way than I wanted to try giving head. Well, sure enough, I took to good old Craigslist to find a suitor for my request. Found a guy, texted, and he drove down, and I met him in his car. Now, it wasn't really anything but a simple transaction. Just a blow-and-go type arrangement. But I realized as soon as I put it in my mouth that I was without a doubt 100% undeniably straight. The thing is, he didn't take too kindly to me, not finishing him, and said that he had put the child locks on the door and I wasn't allowed to leave. Thankfully, either he forgot or was bluffing, but I tried the door and booked it into someone's backyard. I wasn't so much frightened as I was trying to get the taste in my mouth. I was working in the Redwood National Park at the time and only worked the night shift. I had never experienced a bear encounter in the park, although I heard people had been seeing them a lot lately. My shift was on a Friday night from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., so I had time to do my thing and catch up on anything. Usually I carried a radio, a cell phone, and a gun. The radio was a base radio that could reach the visitor center in case of an emergency. The cell phone was specially designed for communication, so I could know who I was talking to. It wasn't exactly a personal cell phone or work cell phone. It was like an enhanced signal phone they give you. The thing about being a ranger at night was you can get very lonely and the visitor center was closed during the day in these hours, so only other rangers were even working in the park. There was a lot of traveling with nobody to talk to. The radio was key to know what the other ranger was doing, and if they were nearby. I took my time that evening doing my rounds and stopping to enjoy the scenery even at night. It was one of the best perks of the job. Now the visitor center was located on the west side of the park, and I would have to drive all my way around the west side to start my rounds. To make it to the west side, I would have to travel through the Dipsy Trail, which is a very popular trail for mountain bikers and hikers alike. The trail is open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. At night, it was very dark and foggy. I only got a radio call a couple of times during my shift, but never did I see another ranger. As I was driving along the Dipsy Trail, the fog was thick and I could not see up the road ahead. As I was traveling about 20 miles an hour, I would use the brake lights of the car to see where I was going at some points. As I came around the corner, I saw what I thought was a mountain biker standing next to a tree. Making note of him, I made a comment out loud about how he should not be here and the trail is closed. As I got closer, I noticed that this person wasn't actually wearing any clothes and was facing the tree. It was maybe about three feet away from the fog light of the car, and their back was facing me. I asked out loud several times, and the person did not move. 
All of my lights were on. Now, I was about ten feet from this person, and I kept asking if they were okay and if they needed help. I began to get scared. I asked again if they needed help and turned on the siren. I still did not get a response. Something was wrong. I got to about five feet away from the tree the person was standing next to, and that's when this person just fell over. They were dead, and their face had been carved away, literally like with a knife. Think of how a pumpkin is. It was as if somebody had burrowed into their skull and the face was gone. I have no idea how it was possible that they were actually standing up and how they managed to fall over. It reminded me of something that would happen to you in a horror movie, but I bailed out of there. After describing to the other rangers, what I saw, they agreed to stay at the station with me, and we'd go back to the trail to check it out. So we all ended up going down there within ten minutes of the area where I originally saw the person on the trail. But as I got closer to the same spot, now I saw a different figure, a naked woman. I slowed down, and she began looking in my direction. The only issue is I passed right through her, and her eyes began glowing red right after she passed my vehicle, or should I say walked through my vehicle and then disappeared entirely. I mean, the other rangers were pretty scared and freaked out. We weren't exactly sure what to do. We just wanted to come out of the park. We wanted to be done. And by the way, there was no account of that body anymore. As a ranger, I should have called the body in and got help. But I was so spooked that I couldn't help but leave. This is when we went to retrieve that body that I'm talking about, the one with the burned, out face. There were no signs of it. No signs of blood, attack, uh, murder, anything. Not even a trail or footmarks. It's as if the body just mysteriously disappeared. And then the apparition of the naked woman with glowing eyes. I'm not sure what to think about that. Last I heard, and lastly my colleagues have heard, this trail and park is not haunted. But either way, I'm not sure what to think about it. Maybe it was a demonic encounter. Maybe it was something else. I've been in many training sessions and have seen other rangers have paranormal experiences before. I've thought about telling somebody outside my work circle. I've just been very hesitant. People will probably laugh at me, potentially think I'm crazy. But I witnessed something that I did not understand. It changed me forever because it scared me and proved to me that those things sometimes you see in horror movies are true. I've thought a lot about this over the years and have finally decided to open up and talk to somebody. Last night at about 2 a.m., my dog started barking viscously. I have a German Shepherd. She's a guard dog. So I'm no stranger to aggressive barks. But this was the most intense behavior I'd ever seen before. She was barking at the door, so my first thought was, there's an intruder at the door. Again, I really have never heard her behave like that. I thought about getting a weapon. I was really scared someone might be at the door but then I remembered that my cat was outside, so maybe it was my cat making a fuss. Even if it was an intruder, my dog would kill someone to protect me. I looked through our peephole, but no one was there, so I opened the door. My dog had been barking the whole time when I opened the door. 
Instead of going out to sniff around like she usually does, she planted herself in front of mine and got even louder. She was guarding me. I've never seen anything like it from her. I looked out to see what it could be, and then I saw it. The first thing I noticed were the eyes. It was like when you shine a light on an animal's eyes, sort of glowing in the nighttime darkness. I then noticed the antlers and thought it must be a deer. But then I realized its face looked about nine feet above the ground. Then I noticed its body. I could make the outline and could tell it was fur, but it was standing in a human-like position, hunched over almost on its hind legs. I'd never been so terrified as soon as I realized I was looking at something paranormal. I slammed the door and shut all of my windows, locked all the doors and hid under the sheets like I was a little kid. I'm still shaken up. I can't stop thinking about it. I haven't fallen asleep tonight because every time I close my eyes, I see it. I'm curious what this creature was. I know the appearance of the Wendigo is debated and seems to be controversial, but I'm still terrified by what I saw. If anyone has any information relative to my story, I would love some insight, thanks to whoever believes me. One of my sons and I like to hike in the backwoods of Oregon and Washington states. Several years ago, we were on a backpacking trip during the middle of the week to several lakes on the shoulder of Mount Hood. Right at dusk, we had a super heavy something walk into our little hidden camp on two feet shaking the ground. It abruptly stopped just outside our little tent. Then there was a big whack sound from where it had walked in on us. We were zipped in the tent because it had begun to rain. We sat still because flight or fight had kicked in for both of us. We were waiting to see what the next move would be. We sat waiting for what might come next. Because of being in the woods backpacking for many years, we learned to have a cool head and evaluate what we might be up against. Then, out of the deafening silence, there was an answering rock clap from the opposite side of the tent. We were now aware that we were dealing with two separate things right outside our tent. We sat waiting. Nothing. No noise. No brush or underbrush. No snuffling. Dead silence. We got out of the tent and saw nothing, since there was only one way out of that camp, and the thing had walked in on the only path out. It was now fully dark, plus a few miles back to where our truck was parked. I made the decision to stick right there for the rest of the night. We would walk out in the morning. I rolled over and went to sleep. I know, strange, but I think the shock of it made me adept with him. It is what it is at this point. My son laid awake most of the night expecting them to come back. They didn't. No smell. No noise beyond the two signals we heard coming from different directions. The creepiest part of the whole experience was the tranquil retreat. What animal arrives shaking the ground, sends and receives a signal, and then melts away without a sound. I was so glad my son was there with me on that trip. It is helpful to have someone who experienced it all, too. Since the night that happened, my son will straight up tell you there is Sasquatch in the deep woods of Oregon. It was a super odd experience for sure. I live on ten acres in southern Oregon in the woods. I back up to Blum land that goes for miles. I am aware of what is out there beyond our door. I hope to never run into one here on our own ground. 
No, thank you. This is no joke for me. For context, I don't actually know if this is a Wendigo-related experience. It's just a possibility out of a thousand, and due to my ignorance of the manner, I came here looking for answers. For context, this takes place at my grandfather's property in Walla Walla, Washington. It was an ordinary camping trip, and I had invited my two best friends from high school. Names don't matter, so I'll just call them Frank and Chris. It was getting late at night, and we wanted to kill time before the big campfire of the night. So as fearless teenagers do, we hit the trails. We walked for about one and a half miles away from camp on a straight trail until arriving in a patch of dead forest, which was strange because it was the only patch of dead vegetation in a 12-mile radius around the property. So this puts us of edge. It's strange and eerie. Then all of a sudden we all get hit with a sense of suspense and anxiety, and as we look at each other for confirmation of sharing the same experience, we hear a foghorn. Yet again, we have no neighbors. And without communicating, we all know to just run. We ran and ran, driven by primal fear. The fear that you experience when you know you're the prey. We didn't stop till we were at the fire. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, I wasn't trying to find out. If anyone has an answer, please tell me. Mainly looking for the significance of the dead forest and the foghorn. 